All right, people, sorry about that. We had a little tech thing there. I don't know how your internet is doing, but good old pistol waving New Haven. You could depend on Xfinity <laughs> being done at the right, well, I mean, sorry, I gotta say, the right time. How are you all doing? How's today going? Are you happy to be here? It's okay if you're not. There's a lot of reasons not to be. CJ here, and this is the sound of black and brown. Well, a couple of days ago, um, I shared my thoughts on a recent loss that I felt many needed to know about and understand here because, you know, we should not be okay with our mental wellness not being taken seriously. So on today's episode of The Sound of Black and Brown, we will be talking about monetizing and being traumatized. It's a very common thing. And what do I even mean by that? What is she talking about? What does this all mean? Well, you know, let me dial it back. So I don't know if you heard about the incident which occurred earlier this month. Um, a very beloved administrator at Lincoln University you know, um, Dr. Antoinette Candia Bailey was experiencing bullying and racism by the school's white president. Now, unfortunately, nobody cared. And when she said she was stressed out and when she filed complaints and when she did all of those things, nobody cared, right? Because traditionally as black and brown women, we're supposed to be able to deal with that. How dare you have a complaint? How dare you not be able to get with it, you made it this far. Like, what is wrong with you, you know? Um, and I'm being very specific with that because while yes, there are black and brown men in leadership, um, the black and brown woman, women rather, they get cast aside. I mean, this is a tale as old as slavery. It's easier to blaspheme a woman any day of the week, twice on Sunday, um, than it is a, a man right? Society as a whole has no issue with discrediting, dismissing, disenfranchising, you know, black and brown women. And I'm speaking from experience. It happens. And you might not like hearing about it, but did you ever stop to think that I really don't like experiencing it? Do you think that I like having to validate my words when I speak or explain my thoughts every time? How come, you know, white women could say that something or white men as well could say, well, such and such bothers me and then everybody gathers around. Like I've seen this, I've seen white peers come to work and be like, oh my God, my day started off. I was in traffic. The kids didn't want to eat breakfast. This one um, was yelling at that one and they're all, you know, huddled and, Everybody is understanding and they're sharing stories. Yes, girl. Yeah, you know, um, all of that. But then when we do that as black and brown women, we're being lazy. So if I go for coffee and I see my peer and I say, hey, how are you doing? How's your day today? Within minutes, a supervisor will be like, um, did you finish that report? Did you, um, did you have any questions about that project? right? It happens. And maybe you may not directly recognize it or relate it because either you decided it's not something that you relate to because I'm here to disappoint you and let you know it does happen. And what's concerning to me is where it's happening and why we should be paying more attention. Because some of the spaces and places that it's happening that we're seeing right now are spaces and places that receive a lot of funding, right? You gotta follow the money, honey, okay? Because when these places are receiving funding and in a time when the government is talking about cutting, you know, um, tuition from this school and taking away that program and just basically removing every opportunity for our youth, you know, we have to really savor, in my opinion, having a school system, rules, and people who could fit those rules. So in saying that, you know, I applaud my fellow black and brown sisters, especially, who work in these environments, because it's not as 
easy as you may think, and it's not as stressless as you may feel. If anything, your stress level goes up day one. I mean, the expectations are through the wall. Um, I've had the experiences of working in these roles, but also the experience of leadership, both as someone on a board and as, you know, a member of staff. And I can tell you that it is so interesting how the variations in interpretation, perception, and expectation changes as you move up the ladder. So let's start from the bottom, right? I hate to use that term, but unfortunately in business, you got to start there and move upward, right? Or so they say. I, I heard it depends on your skin tone, but that's a whole other episode. Anyways, um, <clears throat> so you start off, let's say a black or brown person start off. I'll, I'll just talk my own experience. I had these really ridiculous dream of, you know, being in a leadership role. So I said, oh, I'll just do what they tell us to do when we're in college. You know, you work hard and you pay attention and you do all these fun and exciting things and you get recognized. No, that's not how it happens. Here's what happens. Say you start off and, um, you know, you start off, let's say, as front desk administrator or something to that effect, right? I will guarantee you, as a black or brown person, unless all those up above us that we can't see come down, or unless you're favored, or unless, you know, you really have someone, you're blessed to have someone, or an institution that actually needs it, when they say they recognize and will, you know, reward, you know, productivity, enthusiasm, all these loving, beautiful things they bore us with when they have their annual meetings. You know how they show you all that slides and how we're all supposed to get along. You have your kumbaya moment. And then within 30 minutes of getting back to your desk, you realize, wait a minute, we just had a morning meeting, which means I paid for my own breakfast. I sat there, I listened to all this horseshit. They gave me a couple of snacks and now I have to go buy my own lunch, but whatever. So by the time you leave the meeting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't think you're going to feel the same. I mean, I'm just saying. The point I'm trying to make is as, at that level of entry into an agency, you know, you're looking forward to your growth. You attend these different sessions and seminars and you see all these different opportunities in front of you. And in thought, it's like, okay, this applies to me, but does it really? Does it really? Because I will tell you what, I've worked in places and places where I've seen people go to the classes they were supposed to go to, get all the stuff they're supposed to get, black and brown women in particular I'm talking about, but then when they go to apply for that opening and it's happened to me, well, I don't see where you're experienced, but they, they throw that experience word at you real quick and in a hurry. It happened to me. I'll tell you my story. So I was at an agency where the upper leadership, you know, was mostly white, if not all white. I mean, a couple of people out of town, so I'm trying to be decent here and fair. But it was white, right? For the exception of the folks with a town. <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> You're making me laugh. <laughs> you know? No, there's the truth, though. That's how bright white our leadership was. I mean, you have to wear shades when you looked at the leadership chart. Put it like that. So, anyways, I had, and I mentioned this on the episode on Sunday, um, where I was referencing the recent loss of the beloved Dr. Antoinette Candia Bailey. And we need to keep saying her name. Keep her name out there. She's important. She's really, really, really... Yes, girl, I had to put on shades, man, looking at the leadership chart. So, anywho, so the top leader of the, you know, the crew there, the leadership at the place I was at, as I explained on Sunday, at the time had an assistant who... I was told by others, you know, many people, of course, I'm like, even the people who didn't work at the agency knew what I was about to tell you. They knew there was like a little tension between her and her admin, um, senior admin, whatever title it was. Now, this is because this particular person, you know, had their way of doing things, whatever that was. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't care. I just know that I hate to tell you all this. In summary, she was a royal paid in the ass. So... Now, if I'm a pain in the ass as a black and brown person, you know what they do with me? I get laid off or written up. That's what happens. We get laid off, written up, or transferred. Sorry, I forgot that third one. One of those. Okay? 
They try to smoke you out, make you frustrated, get you to leave, right? Um, you know, or they will directly lay you off. Or they'll transfer you, you know, say, well, we think you'll be better suited here. Now, in this situation, the individual was transferred. To add frustration, this particular individual is what I refer to as a white savior, a mediocre white person who decided, well, I made the most donations and I decided to use my gas to go get those groceries. See how it sounds? Do you hear how it sounds, right? So I go and I get those groceries and you, you black or brown person, you need short of kissing my finger you need to be grateful this is real talk right that's how it really sounds when you all sit there and you want to take your selfies and who want to pose in picture and take picture of all what they donated and shake hand and yada yada whatever come on now now this particular individual right from what i understand this was their habit now mind you what i do as an advocate and activist um you know, is separate from my professional side. I actually only do things advocate activist related if asked professionally, because you know, I'm not dumb. I know that my viewpoint is too left for most of your leadership. So I'm not gonna put Che Guevara on your flyer. And even if you do tell me to, you know, be creative, I'm smart about it. I'm not, you know, I gotta test the waters and see where people are at, right? Because experience has taught me this, right? So anyone who's back to her, um, we'll call her um, the bright chick. So bright chick now ends up being my supervisor. Yay. Uh, right? <laughs> so uh, bright chick ended up being my CIA. I'm getting exhausted saying it already. Now let me, let me give you the setup here, right? Here's the problem with bright chick being my supervisor. There was a couple things happening here that was already an issue. First of all, my department happened to be the one department where I guess they used to call it the misfit because nobody could understand what our department really did. I don't know if you have one like that at your place. And interestingly, as antisocial as I was, and I'll admit to that because due to the circumstances that I was going through, I was very selectively social. So I wasn't the kind of person to socialize with everybody because I realized this was not the kind of place. While they said all these wonderful things in our um, annual meeting, that didn't mean diddly squat. Feel me? Didn't mean shit. Now, <clears throat> that being said, um, bright white. Now here I am, I'm the oldest person of the, in the team mostly younger people yes i'm as old as as moses but in in this time it's mostly like um younger college students for the exception of one individual who is not a college student but who was just someone who was very much about their punk vibe very much about their individuality and all those things which was fine by me now what would happen is it was very clicky i'm not their age so there's certain things that i you know, I don't I don't have time to sit down and talk about Taylor Swift. I'll just say it out loud. I don't give a fuck what Taylor Swift is doing. <laughs> I don't care, right? No, I don't want to know about those shoes and I can't afford them. I'm a single working mother. I'm not interested in these things. And plus two, of everyone in the department, I always had my own stream of work because I was the one, one of the main people doing a lot of reports which were actually being used. Now, what would happen is I was already having troubles really getting my workflow defined because one minute they want me to do this, next minute they want me to do that, I'm getting frustrated. And next thing I know, my manager gets promoted and then, you know, this bright person, Rainbow Bright, shows up on the scene. Now, soon, no sooner Rainbow show up, she gets right to it. I, I keep saying this and y'all don't believe me. Y'all can't, mediocre white people cannot help themselves. When I say y'all, I want those who are not like that to understand what I'm saying. And even if I'm saying some things that you say, but I do that too. Think about what I'm saying, saying. There's always room to learn. If you're willing to unlearn, address and unlearn the behavior, that's a different conversation than when you are persistently obnoxious and racist right and believe you me 
mediocre white people are persistently obnoxious and racist. They have no other agenda other than their own. They have no desire um, to really build anything other than what they have. This is how they operate. This is how they see things. This is how they view us. Everybody is a tool. Everybody is, you know, they have a space. They have a reasoning, right? This is a mediocre white person I'm referring to. Some of that apply to you. Don't think, don't think that you're going for. It just means you might need to work. Listen, to my friends who have privilege and identify as white, and you know, you say, well, well I'm progressive. But you hear me say these terms. Let me tell you something. If you feel offended by what I'm saying, how you think I feel when I look back at pictures of slavery and, and know my own oppression? You think I like it? You think I love knowing that I had to make some decisions in my life because people who look like you decided I didn't deserve these opportunities? So let's get real here. And also, um, as part of your growth, you know, you don't wake up and decide you know how to use your privilege. It's a learning curve. So if I may, you know, take five minutes, feel sorry for yourself. But after that, get your shit together and let's get this done. There, I said it. If you need help or you're not sure, you know, don't get combative when you hear things that you don't agree with. Try to sit back, set, you know, step back, sit back and step back and say, well, why don't I understand that? What what could I do? And you can only read so much, to be real. Anyways, back to me and Rainbow Bright. So Rainbow shows up on the scene and then decides to exert her power. Day one. Everybody needs to know she's in charge. Everybody needs to know who's who. But what she also did was she wanted me to be her um, snitch. She wanted me to report back to her what the youngins were doing. First of all, after I looked at my pay, you know, the way my pay were read, it did not show anything about me getting paid to be a supervisor. It did not show anything there. There was not one penny dedicated to me doing that on my payroll. You hear what I'm saying? So I politely declined. Okay. She would often call me into the office, try to ask me for ideas on different things. Ideas that worked, she would take credit for. Ideas that didn't work, she would immediately blame me for. Even though most times those ideas were ones that were hers, which we, you know, once she heard my idea and decided that sounded better, guess what she did? But she'll present both to kind of make it appear as, well, I thought this through. So you see what's going on here. Now, while all of this is happening, she also would, um, you know, in, uh, what's the word here? She would talk to the staff. She would, you know, one by one and try to get like, I, I guess, get to know them. She would have them come in her office, close the door. And she's like, well, you know, I'm here for you. Tell me what's on your mind. But really, she was more interested in the gossip. And, and what it came down to in my last days, and it became more evident, was she was trying to figure out what can I get? It was like, a, it was like being the mean person. And who can I get who to turn on? Literally. In the end, despite the fact, and I mean literally, everybody who worked in not only in the building I was at, at the time I was at the agency, there were three different buildings. Every friggin' person will say, to be fair, will say 94.1, just to appease people, right? Since you all like numbers. Of the people who worked at this agency knew this woman because of the role she'd had before. And I will tell you with full confidence, that same number of people didn't care for her too much. Why? Because she had these very arrogant, you know, mannerisms. And she was very much about dividing people. Like she liked drama. And this was evident because before she ended up in my department, they had transferred her to a different department when when the leader said look i can't take this person anymore you know because there were certain things that were being done in ways that was just creating issue after issue and this was work her work so somebody said well all right okay we got to keep her around it you know how white people do when they want to keep one of their own first of all let me say this in terms of work productivity the white people will sit down if they're faced with a staff and the staff has two whites, three blacks, uh, you know, let's say three brown people, okay? What's going to happen is 
they're going to look at that entourage and let's say they're looking at company layoffs and cutbacks guess which groups get picked first the only time the white employees will be called upon is if say somebody asked that random you know um well what do you think we could do better get the fuck out of here really seriously seriously but they only do it because you see if especially if it's like something that has public face and record keeping it's a diversity thing to make it appear as what we really validated our feelings when in truth and in fact most times and i'm saying this as someone who sat at tables where i've seen this shit play out most times there's a conversation between a couple people if not more prior to the meeting they make up their mind they say okay here's who we really don't want around here but we got to make sure this sells then they go into the meeting at that point it depends on who they could buy into it and here we go most time the sacrificial lambs are those who do not identify as white now if it comes down to the white people then they turn around and they say well you know so and so could do this and if and if you put them over here you know we could we could get them to do that and in a nutshell that's what happened with this individual rainbow bright had actually after being moved out from being the ed's assistant was moved into another department in a somewhat similar capacity okay within a week the department was in chaos mm -hmm. and the best part at this point that department was mostly white people in it now you do your math how does this chick right <laughs> How does she go from being problematic to the ED? They decide to, you know, because I could tell you what, at the same time this incident was going on, I was also aware because one of my roles had to do with the discharge of individuals, you know, working with the, the agency. However, what I can say is I did not see the same level of consideration given to other black and brown employees that I knew of who had been let go or left they were not given any opportunity to improve or anything like that that's the door make good use of it punto final this individual however was given a medal of honor because of their work for leadership so because of that all their faux pas go through the window i could tell you right now as i'm talking to you i know several black and brown peers female peers who have anxiety stressed out depressed you name it over their work how does that work you tell me you tell me nobody cares nobody cares anyway back to rainbow bright so what would happen is when i did not decide to snitch for rainbow bright i became her problem and even though everybody in the blasted agency knew and i'm talking about not just in my building i'm talking about across down the street at other places other buildings where all their employees are at everybody this person had a literal reputation that exceeded them and yet she was able to not only get me laid off but if you saw what was on that termination letter blatant bullshit now let's pause let's think about our friend claudine gay the former harvard university black female president huh resigned due to plagiarism claims hmm. so one sister takes her life because she was getting bullied and her you know there was this racism i could just like i expressed on sunday i had no problem being the angry black woman that i'm often cast as you know you know, here's the thing about me. I already know that I'm not going to be um, welcomed, respected, or wanted in spaces. I expect to be critiqued. I expect from my head to my toe, my brains and everything else, because that's been my experiences as an employee, as an individual, all of it, right? Now, I could only imagine with Dr. Antoinette Candia Bailey, who, by the way, beautiful black woman, queen, right uh, but she didn't have long hair or much less extensions much less anything on her crown she was proud to rock her pillow right she was proud of that and she did not 
you know, shy away. I saw pictures of this woman. She dressed, you know, she was fabulous, man. Now, I could just imagine here she is, educated, and probably wanted to change some of the things that had gone because this particular school, Black College in Missouri, that she was at, you know, it had been around for eons. However, you know, clearly something must have been, you know, there that she said, look, we need to change X, Y, Z, right? Now, here's what I'm not understanding. Why the fuck did y'all hire her and put her in that position? Would you expect her to sit down and look like a Christmas decoration? Apparently so. So what would happen is she gets into this rule and here's the part where I could definitely relate to what happened because it's happened to me. I just shared my own story. You're just hearing about two. This is just two of how many, too many, in my opinion, too many. And you guys should be ashamed of that. And I'm saying this particularly to the white people who claim, you know, those ones who say, I do everything. I understand color. I, I, I don't use those words at home. What words? I didn't even say a damn word. What the fuck are you talking about? Right? So, you know, <laughs> this is the thing. You can't tell me that when Dr. Candia Bailey was experiencing this, it happened alone and she didn't have witnesses. In a place of that size, that magnitude, a college has been around for that long. There is no way in this world that at least one other person did not know, but they said nothing. Nada. Zip. You could hear the flies outside, the bees, the water down the street. Who flushing the toilet? That's how quiet it probably was. Mm -hmm. You could even hear who texting down the hall. It's probably, and I would bet you, she probably sat at the table because that's how it happens. You know, they love to call you out in a meeting and they love to do it in a way where it makes sure it makes you look unprepared. You're taken aback. You don't look like you know what you're talking about. And God forbid you stutter or you forget or you don't know where something is. Gaslighting and gatekeeping takes various shapes and forms. Trust me. Now, what would happen is this woman got to the point of saying, I need to take care of me. I need to... I need to have some relief. She tried to get support. Nobody supported her. She tried to place a complaint. And for those who have been there like myself, this is not uncommon. Because you see what happens a lot of times, they have these stupid policies. And I say they're stupid because they mean nothing. You claim that we could file a complaint and it will be handled. But what really happens is the complaints are filed, the concerned, whatever is filed. It gets reviewed. It gets discussed, and then whatever happens after that, most times is against whomever is filing, especially if they're not someone who is recognized or respected as leadership or support. So, in other words, if you and I have no name in this space, your ass is grass. And I know that because, in regards to Rainbow Bright, you bet your ass I tried to go, I, I was dumb enough to take my concerns to HR, I was dumb enough to try to apply for, um, you know, roles in other departments. And I was denied and everybody knew what would literally knew. I didn't have to say a word to anybody. People would come up to me and say, you okay? Because she had that level of a reputation. People knew. In fact, one manager was ready to take it to the, you know, top, 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 because she was fed up. She was like, why are they doing this to you? Why did I just let you transfer? But when I would go to my interviews thinking, okay, I work at the agency. Let me just slide into this other department. That's when they hit you with, well, I don't really see um, your skill in this specific. They find that one phrase or two words that won't you know you don't have the experience for. You see how they do it? Come on now. Something not done right? You're gaslighting me. Something late, you make it sound like the whole place is about to burn down. I didn't even get touching. <laughs> I can't even speak English. I didn't even get started on workflows. So for those who don't know me on a personal level, let's get to know each other. Believe it or not, and this might astound some people, who your pearls now. I know how to read. Shh, I know how to read. Don't tell everybody. To the point that um, I'm actually a couple of credits away from, again, my doctorates, but I... 
I haven't had the zeal to finish because I've been trying to stay, you know, current with my bills. Like that's real talk. It's stressful. Okay. Imagine that I put off, you know, it's, it's been going on a couple of years now. I put off a dream of mine that I've had since a kid and it's because why I cannot afford it. It's expensive to be poor in Connecticut. It is very expensive, right? So in the midst of all of this, here I am. And actually when I withdrew from school was right when things got thick between myself and Rainbow Bright, because it was really bad. Like you talking about all of a sudden, none of my reports, I started getting paranoid because I don't know what was going on with my reports. I don't know why all of a sudden it would not be until a couple of weeks before I was finally let go, which I knew it was coming. I was just really hoping by then I would have another rule somewhere so I could just be away from it. Right. But as we say in Islam, a setback is a set up at the time. Of course, when it's going on, you don't feel that way. Okay. I'm sharing this with you all because I could definitely relate to what queen must have been going through. Man, I'm telling you, that is one of the most unnerving feelings when you sit there and you look at your bank account and you realize I can't afford to retire. I, I, I know I can't. I have nothing. I'm like Whitney Houston, right? Because whatever I had, had to go toward me being able to afford food, rent, I don't know, stupid things like medication, ridiculous things like personal hygiene products, you know, that kind of foolishness. You know, I don't know, soap, <laughs> detergent is, is so stupid. I'm not someone who, you know, I'm not a brand person. Those who know me, especially my kids will, will tell you, I'm not the kind of person I will sit here and run down the street when I see a shoe. And I'm not criticizing those who do that. I'm just telling you, I couldn't afford to. All right. I'm a black single mother and I've had to make some very strategic decisions in order to keep a roof. And that's really important, especially when you're a black or brown single parent, because you see the minute your um, housing is affected, guess what else they go after? Think about that. Okay. So when we lose jobs, the mental health impact is devastating. When we have to sit at these jobs and tolerate, Allah only knows what doctor can can the uh, Bailey tolerated? I could only speak from my experience. I could only relate to the extent that I've had, right? Um, but I'm sharing what I'm sharing so you could get maybe a glimpse of what that looks like. Now we have Claudine Gay, who now they're saying, well, they said it and she resigned due to plagiarism. Imagine that. So I don't know about you all, but I feel like there's so many things people forgot about that were in place or should have happened that we say could have happened planned or otherwise pre-COVID. So I'm saying 2019. So can somebody draw me a pie chart as to how no sooner that Claudine Gay, the first black female president of, well, not former, um, of Harvard University, what in the name of Samuel L. Jackson did she do that somebody decided on their spare time to conveniently know, mind you, she'd been working at Harvard for a minute, right? Why did you wait until she started really progressing in her role to say, oh, by the way, we um, found some plagiarism from your uh, doctoral manuscript or whatever horseshit it was from 1997. Is you serious? This is like you calling me back to the tire shop for my flat that I had, right? That you said, oh, by the way, I could have put a patch on that. I, what? Six months later, you come and telling me that after a black whole new damn time did all of that? So why did you let her? I mean, 2022, she gets appointed into this rule. So who did the background check? Who verified the credentials? Hmm? Who interviewed her? Who even accepted her application? Why? Why? I just want to know why. I just, I'm curious. And I want to know why we're so comfortable while watching this monetization and traumatization. I'll tell you why. Because unfortunately, right, this is a tale as old as slavery. Least you all forget back on the plantation. See, we think the plantation 
left. I, <laughs> I hate to ruin it. I'm sorry, stomach. Plantation ain't going no damn where. Ain't going no damn where. It's still here. It is still here and a it is alive and well and functional. Where's the plantation, somebody said. Ask yourself, how is it? So many people going without housing, right, and food, but somehow by the work of the good Lord, whoever, what they call it, we always have money for police and jails and detention. You tell me. Tell me, um, educate me. How is that possible? How is it possible that as I'm talking to you all now, at least we are all in a space and place where we have shelter and warmth. I'm in the Northeast. It's cold. As I say, I hear brick outside, right? But unfortunately, sadly, and I, I, I know this, and I could, I could definitely validate this. There are people who have nowhere to go. They're going from store to store till the store closes. They're going to go across the train tracks. They're going to go wherever there's somewhere that has some level of warmth. And when you don't have those, you have those who have nothing to eat, not even a crumb from yesterday. Where I'm from, when you can't afford food, you drink things like sugar and water or foreign water. Some people still do that. Okay? You go to the store even because the, the, the price of food, most of us are doing that. I mean, the right-wing white media is not going to show these stories. This is why I tell people, especially those who love, 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 love to be part of the right-wing media and politics. Think about that carefully, real careful. Before you sell your soul, let me, let me just remind some folks something. Back in the 20s, how do you think they were so successful at building up the Republican Party. What do you think they did to make people say the Klan is a great idea, but yes, let's go join, um, you know, the Republican Party. And um, I don't know if you knew, but Ted Bundy, yeah, he's a well-known, yeah, yeah, the one who killed all those women and stuff. Did you know he was Republican? You were today's years old when you found that out. But here's the other thing. Back in the 20s, and this is, a again, it's a tactic that's as old as slavery, literally. I told you all before the Democratic Party was built from the Republican Party. We don't have to argue the history there. But there are certain tactics, if not many, that never change. For instance, to buy into their bullshit, what the Republicans did was they actually picked the families, mostly white, a few, as they said, colored. And for those who didn't know, the Ku Klux Klan was never fans of coloreds, Christians, I'm sorry, Catholics and Jews. Let me say it right. Write that down. The KKK was never fans of the colors, the Jews, and the Catholics. For those of you who think it don't apply to you, you might want to think about that twice. Right? Because just like back then, where the Republican Party would select whom they would approach to participate in their politics, they're doing it now. That's why you're seeing who you're seeing doing what they're doing to answer your questions on certain party affiliations now, right? Now, what I'll also tell you is that we should be concerned that somebody like Donald Trump, I just mentioned 10 Bunny and Purpose, go do your research if you think I'm kidding. If you think I just made that up, go research it. Go ahead, you could Google it, right? Look up Ted Bundy and not only was he a Republican, but he actually, actually, was looking to run for office. Did you know that? You were today's years old. If you didn't know, you just found out. Feel good about that. Think about that. Here's a man who on the outside pretended to be the best Republican since whenever, since oppression. But in reality, right, he had some real sick shit going on with him, didn't he, Ted Bundy? Yes. And he wasn't the only one. Once you start to look, you will find. Let me give you another one to look up. The Grand Dragon of the KKK, proud and prominent at the time, Indiana Republican leader, D.C. Stevenson. Look him up. Look him up. Look up who that is. Let me tell you what your friend D.C. Stevenson did. He abducted, bit, tortured, raped, and dumped 29-year-old Madge Oberholzer into the streets. Yes, he did that. 
Why did he do it? Because at the time he was running for office and he had just became the Grand Dragon. Now, let me tell you something about Madge. We're talking about back in the 20s, 1920s. Okay, let me tell you something about Madge. She actually was not, you know, into all of that. Yes, at the time, you know, people were following the Republican Party. But people, let me put something in perspective. I'm not excusing the behavior. I just want you to pay attention on how they do their bullshit. The reason why people, a lot of people were comfortable with the Republican Party at that time is because we're talking about, about back in the 1920s, right? So think about that for a second. It's not like world we know now. So when you see somebody having a big event and you see food and you see entertainment and it's all inclusive, if you're invited, you feel special about that. This is the 20s. So what the Republicans are doing, your friend, um, Mr. D.C. Stevenson here, he was running for office and he was the golden boy. The Republicans loved him. The KKK was like, we got to get him. He, he fits our mold, right? Because they felt like he had the right charm. He had the right whatever je ne sais quoi they liked. Anywho's. Along his journey, he would come across Madge. He fell in love with her. She was, you know, more democratic-like. But at the time, we're talking about the 20s. So politically, a lot of things are still, even though in, some things had formed, you had to understand, we didn't have the internet. Telephones were limited. So information sharing isn't as it is now. So you had to keep that in consideration. So she started to date this guy you know, DC, and thought that he was nice because the Republicans presented as being these white saviors that will fly in front of your face. You need groceries. Here's your groceries. You need um, somewhere to stay. We could help you with your house. And you hear, you hear what they're going after, right? Pay attention to that. Remember, I'm talking about the 20s. Food, housing. Oh, by the way, we, did you hear about all that crime? We have all these polices right here to protect you. So now, boom, food, housing, policing. This is the 20s. So because people felt secured with them, a lot of people bought into the culture. But what, and this, this happened in Indiana, what people did not realize is that a lot, if not most of the Republican Party in Indiana at that time was affiliated with the KKK. And this guy, D.C. Stevenson, because of all the, um, you know, connections he made and he was so well-respected, the truth was people liked hearing him talk about protecting wealth. Those were the words he was dropping at these meetings. We got to protect our wealth. We got to make sure our crops are safe. We got to leave something for our kids. You telling me all of that change? I'll tell you you're wrong. And now, so he starts to date Madge, but here's what happens with Madge now. She starts to realize that he has some ways that she doesn't like. Now, at first, she she doesn't believe it. She's like, no, maybe, you know, maybe it's not him. It's the party. But she realized it is him and it is the party. It's both. Because she would witness and overhear certain things and see certain things. But it didn't really help when his attitude and treatment of her went from bad to worse. Okay? He became very demanding. He, um, you know... He had some ideals about black children that she did not share because Madge herself took pride in teaching black children and actually their parents how to read. We're talking about the 20s. Think about that for a second. Here's this white woman who's saying, no, I want to teach them the, the help how to read. And here's this obnoxious white asshole. No, he realizes that he's not getting his way with her. At this time, he developed a full-blown um, alcohol dependency, amongst other things. That's another thing you're going to realize with people like Ten Bundy, Ted Bundy and other notable Republicans that have done some real fuck shit. Anywho, what happens is he builds up this rage and, and as, he, as he tried to express, he was just, you know, so focused. No, he wasn't. He was just beca becoming a bigger, bolder asshole. The more Matt resisted, angry he got at her until one day he couldn't take it anymore. He literally kidnapped her, right? Took her against her will. Remember, she doesn't have a cell phone. This is not 2024, right? She has no way unless she was planning to jump on a horse and, and ride off. And that, by the way, is not like horses were walking around saying, hey, ride me. 
So he and, and you know, one of his people, they take her, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, on the train to where he was headed, he rapes her right in the cabin. What the fuck? No, what would happen is he would go to court. And guess who came to court? Make a wild, erratic, educated guess on who you think probably showed up at the courthouse to share their thoughts and experiences about this. Make a wild guess. Let me help you out. When they went on that train, remember we're talking about the 20s, so if you was black or brown on that train, unless you sit down in, in, in the cabin where, you know, they have all the stuff, you know, uh, meaning like um, people's suitcases and stuff, black and brown people for the most part were the ones who tended to the cabins, right? They walked from cabin to cabin, checked in, make sure, you know, you're okay if you need anything. And it was a black man, one from the train and one who saw her when she came off who actually showed up to court and by the way even though they were guilty of nothing they had to show up to court in chains i'm not gonna say no more than that if you're intrigued enough go look it up this is a true story okay now fast forward i've said this before i'm not republican i'm not a friend of the republican at all right you're not getting me to do that fuck that hell no not doing it but i'm not fond of what the democrats are doing right now because what i see especially here in connecticut is a lot of infighting and it's not just the legislators either it's those who know and are connected to them and this is mostly in the nonprofit realm of things and some of corporate businesses and i'm saying that because it becomes politics in the sense of it's the politics of privilege in law, but also in decision-making. So when you have all of that going on, where's the diversity, the equity, and the inclusivity you all are talking about? It makes it worse when you look at these agencies and then you look at the leadership. And like I just told you, you have to wear sunglasses, especially, mind you, with the place I was describing, I had the dark, dark shit. Like we, we have tents on our face, can't see nothing, right? That's how bright white that leadership was. And that seems to be the tone. So going back to the late, great Dr. Candia Bailey, I could only relate to the extent of my experience what Queen was going through. And it's sad. I said that on Sunday. It's very friggin' sad. And that university, and in fact, not just that university, Lincoln University, all agencies, in my opinion, from there across America, and that includes you, Connecticut, right? Because these agencies receive funding and then they decide who gets to be leaders and fuck around and who gets to be leaders and have to work their ass off. And usually the latter is people who are black and brown, especially women. Underpaid and overworked, okay? Given ultimatums, being told what they can and cannot do, can't sneeze too hard because that's a problematic. You send that email out with a typo, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's what it sounds like. We get gaslit at the meetings. We get asked about reports and other horse shit that is not in the agenda because you have the power to do that. The gaslighting and gatekeeping is there. I didn't even get started on the job descriptions. I myself went to the state of Connecticut, which incidentally right now, allegedly, allegedly is mass hiring for all these fantastic rules and horse shit. And I say it's horse shit because as a black woman, a black immigrant woman who attempted, I spent six months trying to get a job with the state. You know, you know what's another way to gaslight and gatekeep? A job application. Fuck you if you have so many job apps, then hire people to read them. Figure out a workflow where you could actually pick the people who actually, that is something as someone who studied, because I don't know if I'd mentioned it, but just in case I didn't, for those who are shocked already that I know how to read, holy pearls, clutch them. I also studied industrial organizational, well, I'm studying industrial organizational psychology. Okay, a productive environment 
is one that is filled with incentives and opportunities, not threats and ultimatums. There's respect there in a productive environment. There's room for growth, but there's room to fail. How the fuck you gonna be a leader if you can't fail? You serious? You can't be serious. You can't be serious. You cannot be serious. Okay? The truth is, just like our late great friend, Dr. Antoinette Candia Bailey, hashtag say her name, hashtag justice for Bonnie. Y'all, get on it. I'm serious. And let's stand by that sister, uh, Claudine Gay, as well. Stop letting them do this. Stop. You'll claim that you want diversity, equity, and inclusivity. Let's act like it. Stop gatekeeping and gaslighting black and brown women. And it happens to them the most. I shared on Sunday, knowing of a lawmaker and also um, another nonprofit professional and the shit these sisters have to go through and still going through. Now, let me tell you something else. Let's, let, now that I mentioned those two, here's why what's happening to Cody and Gay should really piss you the fuck off. Because it wasn't just that she um, had to deal with this whole, you know, um, the plagiarism thing, which we could talk about that because I'm gonna tell you right now, if you're gonna look at one, look at all. I'm gonna just leave that sentence right there and I wonder who will still be in power. Here's the other thing about that, right? We sit here and, and we as black and brown women and also black and brown men, but I'm emphasizing the women for a reason right? Because we are the lowest, we're the floor. Everybody else comes on top of us. Believe that, right? It is the truth. And Miss Claudine Gay, in the midst of her credentials, after she had been at Harvard for so many years, remember, she got into her role as president in 2022. Let's not forget that that wasn't so long ago. All right, it wasn't that far away. They waited till now to bring up something for 1997. But hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, put some common sense in it. They went to social media to talk about her. If you go, this is another person you want to go look at. Follow the story. I've been following these stories for months now, right? That's why I'm, I'm really saddened, but not surprised that more people aren't talking about these queens. Yes, there's a lot going on, but that just goes to show you in workplace equity, diversity, and inclusivity where black and brown women fall. How do you think we feel when people have these alleged diversity, equity, inclusivity trainings, but we're supposed to hear about that from a white person? For real? That's like a horse sitting onto a car, tell it how to walk. Seriously. I'm gonna say that again for the people in the back. A white person teaching DEI, to me, personally, seriously, that's some shit. I, I, that's not something I, I, I agree with. I feel especially when there are black and brown people in the mix. If your agency is predominantly white, maybe you live in an area, maybe that's what it's like, I don't know. I'll, I'll let that be your own whatevers. In those, I could get it. Right, certain agencies I can dig it. Maybe it's a family-owned business, and really, I mean, that's what it is. Or maybe it's a group of friends, and that's just what it happens to be. But when you have a certain agency size and your staff size is a certain size, now nah, come on now, you, you no no no. I don't care what church you was at. I don't give a fuck what agency you was at, and I really don't have the time in my life to find out about the time you came to your understanding. You should not be teaching that class and you should have the humility to acknowledge that. That's real talk. That's real talk. Because you're just pushing your privilege in my face. What you're really doing is showing me at my level of privilege, I could teach you how to um, stay calm, slave, right? Stay calm, okay? They come at us in different ways. They do things like cut back on our lunch break. I started saying it and I veered off a little bit. What do you think slave owners used to do to punish the slaves? The first thing they go for is the food, bam. First thing, food, no food for you. So when you see you have managers and leaders who say things, I need you all to do this through lunch. People, there's ways that we could remedy the problem. If you have the privilege, have the conversation, which is staff. Do things like tell people, I need you all to invest in self-care or even do one better. 
guys, I'd like to start having our weekly meetings. Um, I want us to really talk about how we could take better and bigger steps to improve the DEI and improve certain things. Can you talk to me about it? Make it a really safe environment. Okay. Come on now. Start somewhere. People are dying. This young lady took her own life. How many more? How many more? Right? Another one had to step down. But then Donald Trump walking around free like it's nobody's business. And you'll wonder why nothing changed. And you're wondering why people are protesting and demanding for a ceasefire in Gaza. Really? You know why so many people are having a problem with a ceasefire? It's what we've been talking about for the last 50 minutes. Because monetize, monetize and then traumatize. And that's one bit. But the bigger bit is black and brown women, man. We need to change that view, that vision. We need to respect them, empower them, support them, put them in leadership, allow them to learn, treat them with respect, help them when they make mistakes. Don't blaspheme them, gaslight them, and gatekeep them. Get the fuck out of here, please. Well, I hope I'm giving me a lot to consider. If you have a minute, please stay with us as we take a minute of silence for Palestine. Oh Allah, help and protect us and those who aren't here to hear us, hear our cries, ease our pain and suffering, help those who are in need, fortify our hearts and theirs and calm them. Grant us peace, grant us humility and gratitude. Bestow your mercy, bestow of mercy, giver of victory. You are the opener of doors. Please grant us and those in Palestine freedom and victory. My friends, if nobody told you today yet, or you didn't know, you were today's years old when you found out you're amazing. All right, just because other people don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. We're in a time when a lot is happening. I say this all the time, look at how people are driving. You can see the stress and you say to yourself, well, how could I help it? You could help it by being a friend and start by being your own friend. Let's figure out how we could be nice to each other. Send less strongly worded emails, you know, unless it needs to be, unless you're asking for a ceasefire, right? Do little steps, say good morning, ask somebody how they're doing, right? Pay attention when people are talking. Don't, don't, I, I think it's so rude if you're going to be on a Zoom or anything and you're supposed to be part, you know you're going to be on the phone, turn your video for the second, or more so if you have to. I, I do get it. Sometimes we have jobs where you have to, but try to consider that you're in a meeting. Try to be present. Be present, okay? Because some people, the last time they saw their loved ones, was it, right? You may not think you have a lot, but think about those in Palestine, Yemen, Sudan, in prison, detention. Let me tell you another thing about me. One of the, one of the more humbling experiences in my life, aside from motherhood, was being a shoulder 
a wet, soaking shoulder, because that's all I felt was the tears to a mother who was watching her child being taken away to be detained. And I had to stand there because this is her moment. And yes, as much as I wanted to cry, I had to let her, I had to be her strength. I'm not saying do that all the time. What I'm saying is, friends, we're in a time where sometimes we need to remind ourselves that we matter. Sometimes you need to take a walk in, into the bathroom or wherever, pick up your phone, look at yourself, look at your reflection and say, you know you, you, you right there, you're amazing. Okay, because it, it could be really cruel out here in America. We can't do what we do without you all. I can't thank you all enough for your continued support and encouragement. Please continue to like, share, and subscribe. We truly, truly, truly appreciate it all. That's all for tonight. We'll be back on again soon. Fist up, smile on. Peace.